you would turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5 for our thoughts this morning. Matthew chapter 5, and yes, please stand when you get there. And we'll begin with verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you again for this day, this opportunity to stand before your congregation and share your holy word. Lord, I pray your blessing on the breaking of the bread of life. I pray you'll give me the words to say and bring to my memory those things I've studied. Let me preach with boldness and authority your truth. And Lord, may your Holy Spirit minister to our hearts this morning. Lord, I don't know what the need could be spiritually, but you do. You know all hearts, Lord. And Lord, we pray that if there's a need, especially when it comes to salvation, if there's one here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, they'll be saved before it's eternally too late. Thank you for each one gathered here. Pray, Father, again that uh, you'd be with the sick, the afflicted, those it's hard to do to pray for. And Lord, we just again ask that everything said and done this morning honor and glorifies you for we ask these things in jesus precious name and for his sake we pray amen please be seated any person familiar with this passage knows that this is the sermon on the mount I'm going to go ahead and say it. This is the greatest sermon ever preached by the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I guess I need a copyright because I'm preaching his sermon this morning. Amen. But understand, there's so much in this sermon. You see, there's nothing greater than having joy in knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And this is Jesus beginning his ministry. You know, the Old Testament closes out with judgment. When Jesus begins his ministry in the New Testament, he begins sharing that there is joy and there is happiness in knowing 
him. And that's the truth. There is, right? Now, we also call this the Beatitudes of Christ. Now, Beatitude comes from a Latin word, and I cannot pronounce it, so I won't. But I do know what the, the meaning is. It means happiness or bliss. Now, we read my text. How many times did you see the word blessed, blessed? Well, there's nine of them. You think that's a coincidence? No, it's because the Lord wants us to have joy in the Lord. He wants us to be happy. And the sad thing is most Christians today walk around with their heads down, with a scowl on their face, acting like they have nothing to live for. Beloved, if you have been washed by the blood, you have been saved to the uttermost, you can hold your head up and say, you know what, I'm a child of the king, and I don't care what comes my way in this life, one day it'll be over here, but I'll be up there with him, the master. Amen? And because of that, I'm going to have a smile on my face. And people may look at me like, what's wrong with him? Why does he always smile? Why doesn't anything get to him? It's because I know the secret to what happiness is. And happiness is having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? So, we're going to start. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now you might say, Pastor John, that's a contradiction. How can you be happy? How can you have joy being poor? Well, I want you to understand, first of all, all, I've never been poor as far as destitute. I've never had to do without having something on my back for clothes or something over my head for shelter. And as you can look at me, I've never missed a meal. Okay? But before you point fingers at me, I can point mine at you. Some of you hadn't missed a meal either. But the point is, yes, it's true. Poor is poor, but he's talking about poor in spirit. You say, well, what does that mean if it doesn't mean being destitute, lacking, not having what you need. When Jesus refers to blessed be the poor in spirit, he's talking about those that have finally come to the realization that this world doesn't have anything to offer. That's poor in spirit. When you finally come to the conclusion, it doesn't matter if I have wealth or not. Because those things don't satisfy. What matters is I know that the Lord is the only one that can satisfy and give me joy. How many people are in the world today searching for happiness and joy? And the world and the devil has convinced them, oh, if you have a lot of money That'll bring you peace. That'll bring you joy. That'll bring you contentment. Understand, Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gain the whole world and then lose his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? But they're out there searching. But those that come to the realization 
Those that are pure, excuse me, poor in spirit, when they come to the realization that this world and all of its trappings have nothing to offer me. But when I look to the cross and I look to Jesus, that's when I finally have it. I have it all. I am rich. I am wealthy. You see, let me give you an example. The Bible tells us in John 3 that a man named Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. Now, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. Nicodemus had money. He had fame. Everybody knew who he was. He was highly educated in the law. He had all of the things that society says would make him successful. He's the man. But understand, Nicodemus was poor in spirit. He came to Jesus that night. Good master, teacher, what must I do to be born again? You see, he had everything at his beck and call, but he didn't have Jesus. And I want to stop right there and say this. If you're under the sound of my voice this morning, you can have everything. You can have money in the bank, nice cars, live in a nice home. And if you have those, thank God for it. That's good. Nothing wrong with that as long as you don't make that your God. But understand You can have the world by the tail. You've heard the old saying, the world is the oyster. But if you don't have Jesus, you have nothing. And that's what he's talking about. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs theirs is the kingdom of God. If you're here this morning and you don't know the Savior, I pray He convicts your heart and convinces you that all this material stuff is going to burn up. You're not taking it with you when you die. I've yet to see a U-Haul behind a hearse. Never seen it. And I won't. You know how much money you're going to leave behind when you die? All of it. All of it. So again, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And then notice, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. You say, Brother John, that's another contradiction. How can you be happy? How can you have joy mourning? Well, again, understand, he's not talking about, of course we're going to mourn when we lose a loved one to death. It's only natural that we mourn the loss. But that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about blessed or happy are those that mourn, those that are sorrowful for their sin. Do you ever remember a time in your life that you were sorrowful for your sin? I tell you. I remember it like it was yesterday when the Holy Spirit 
convicted my heart. And I realized in my sin, it was the cause of my lifestyle and my sin that Jesus had to go to the cross and suffer on my behalf. It was my sin that placed him on the cross. And because of it, I was convicted and sorrowful. I literally was sorrowful. There's lots of folks out there that have the idea that repentance and sorrow and confession is not needed to be born again. Understand me, you'll not be born again without sorrow for your sin. You'll not be born again without confession of your sins. And you'll not be born again without repentance. There's lots of folks out there that teach that. And you want me to tell you who the majority are? Let's call them what they are. I'm not ashamed. I'll tell you if I'm right. And I'm right. Calvinists don't believe in repentance. You're chosen. If he chose you, you're saved. Live like you want to. And if he didn't choose you, it doesn't matter how you live. You ain't going anyways. Hooey, fooey. Jesus came and died not for a select few. He died for every man, woman, boy, and girl. He died for the sins of the world. But again, you must mourn, be sorrowful. Are you thankful you're a child of God this morning? Now, when I got saved, I became a new creature in Christ. But listen to me. I was born again spiritually. But this old flesh, it never got saved. In fact, I'm going to blow your mind. You can't redeem this. So because spiritually I am a child of God, I have been washed by the blood of Christ. I'm saved. I'm a child of God. I'm going to heaven when I die. But I'm in this flesh, this old flesh and the spiritual part of Pastor John. They do this every day. They battle every single day. Now I choose which one I'm going to let win. Every now and then, I hate to admit it, but see this? Sometimes I stub my toe and this wins. But listen to me. Because I'm a child of God and the Holy Spirit indwells me, the Holy Spirit convicts me and makes me sorrowful to where I have to go to the Lord and ask him to forgive me. We confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But understand, the greatest evidence that I have and you have as a born-again child of God is conviction and sorrow over our sins. You see, that lets us know that we are the Lord's. We belong to him. And once you belong to him, 
you can never lose your salvation. You can lose the joy, but you can't lose your salvation. So, blessed are they that mourn, those that are sorrowful for their sin. And I'll go ahead and tell you, because people aren't humble, a lot of folks don't recognize the sin problem in their lives. Amen? Amen? You run across them all the time. Well, I'm not a sinner. I'm as good as you are. Probably better than I am. But I'm a sinner. And so are you. No, I pay my taxes. I'm good to my wife. I don't drink. I don't run around on my wife. I don't steal. I don't do drugs. I'm good. There's none good. No, not one. Ever since I've been saved, I've pretty much taken the attitude of the Apostle Paul. And it keeps me humble. I am chiefest among all sinners. But I'm a saved sinner. Amen. But I'm sorrowful for my sin. Because it was because of my sin and yours, Jesus had to come and die on the cross to atone for our sins. Now, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. We talked just a moment ago, we mentioned the word Humility, didn't we? You see, meek means a humble spirit, a soft spirit. And you know, we have been geared by society to think if a person is soft-spoken, if a person has a soft spirit about him, doesn't make, have a ruckus, raise a ruckus, that, oh, they're, you know, they're sissy. They're they're not right. I want you to know something. We can't approach God without being humble and submissive. In the world today, you have too many that are haughty in spirit. And the Bible says, what does it say? It says, pride goeth before what? That's right. And a haughty spirit before a fall. Understand, you can't even approach the Lord unless you come humbly. But listen to this. This is good. One, he begins his sermon talking about poor in spirit. So, Before we can approach God, we have to recognize that we have sin in our lives. And two, he speaks of being meek. Okay? We can't 
even approach God's throne until we come to the realization that he is holy. They go hand in hand. We're sinners and he's holy. People have the idea and the attitude, I can just come to God anytime, any way I want to. No. Listen, even when I was lost, even when I had alcohol on my breath, I would, oh, I would call on God, but it wasn't for mercy. It was saying things I shouldn't say. Do you think he heard me? Oh, he heard, but he didn't answer because I wasn't humble and meek before him. We must be humble and meek. Now, there's two other things I want to share. Notice what he said. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Two things. Inherit the earth. Now, today, those that are humble, God gives us grace. He gives us everything that we need no matter what we face or what we lack. As long as we are in Christ, he meets our needs. And here on earth today, we can just follow him and know going to be okay. But the second part of that, inherit the earth, I want you to understand, one of these days, the trumpet of God will sound and the dead in Christ are going to rise. And then we that are alive and remain will be called up to meet him in the air. Now for seven years, there will be a tribulation. At the end of the tribulation, Jesus is coming back and he will be here For 1,000 years, the Bible calls it a millennium. He will be here on the earth. And guess what? Those of us in Christ will be with him. But at the end of the 1,000 years, there will be what's called the great white throne judgment. All of those that died without Christ will be, be before him at the great white throne. Their names aren't in the Lamb's Book of Life, so they will be cast into the eternal lake of fire. But listen, after that judgment, the Bible tells us there's coming a new heaven and a new earth. And you know what the good thing about that is? All of us that have been blood-bought, guess what? We will spend eternity with the Lord in what he has prepared for us. So, yes. We're going to have a new heaven and a new earth. And we're going to inherit that new heaven and that new earth. Think about that for a second. I tell you what, this old earth has seen better days. But one day, one day, the curse will be lifted. And there will be a change. All right. Notice what else he says here. 
Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You say, there's that contradiction again. Talking about hungering and thirsting. Well, again, Jesus is not talking about us not being able to eat. Okay? He has nothing there even is close to thinking that Jesus doesn't want us to eat. If he didn't want us to eat, why would he have did the miracle of the fishes and the loaves? Okay, he's not talking about that. What he's talking about is hungering and thirsting for God. Hungering and thirsting for his word, for his church, for him. That's what he's talking about. How many of you hunger and thirst? see, here we go. A lot of us come to church on Sunday. You say, well, that's good. I've sought the Lord. I have ate at his table. But you've only ate at his table One day. Look at where I'm going. How many here can eat once a week? Physically. Once a week physically. Yeah, I don't see many hands going up. Sister, you can only eat once a week? Wow. I can't. Here's my point. The spiritual man needs to eat every single day. I'll even throw this in. The spiritual man should eat more than us physically every day. Amen? We should eat on God's word. We should eat in fellowship. And we should eat when it comes to to God. We should desire nothing but the Lord. That is what we should do. We should thirst after him and him alone. What do you thirst after? What are you hungry for? That's the question. It should be the Lord. I want to encourage you. I know some of you can't come back on Sunday nights. God knows. I understand. I'm not here harping on you. But if you're not able to make it, don't wait till next Sunday morning to open your Bible. You have the rest of the week. You have the rest of the week to get along with God and spend time in his word and in prayer. Blessed, happy are you who do hunger and 
thirst after God's righteousness. My prayer for Lone Mountain is we'll always be a church that hungers and thirsts after the Lord's righteousness. If we ever get to the place where he is not first and we don't hunger and thirst after his righteousness, let's close the doors and go to the house. Because what good is it? He's worth hungering for and thirsting after. See, again, when I was lost, the devil had convinced me that making money would just satisfy me. And I left Arkansas. And folks, the most I was ever paid in Arkansas when I was working was that international paper. And you know what? I made an hour, $4.25. And people thought, wow, that's a great job. Uh, no. Got out to California. And I went to work for Allied. They were a Orwell company. And in fact, uh, Allied became Welltech. I became a Derrick Hand. Fourteen sixty-seven an hour, and I thought we're in the money. Of course, uh, when you live in California, uh, you're out of money. Although it just so happened we—it was just me, Lori, and the two kids. We didn't have bills or anything, so we had we had money, and the devil had convinced me that's what'll give you satisfaction. That'll give you joy. You got money. You can go to Disneyland. You can go to Knott's. You can do all of this with your family. You'll be happy. I was the most miserable person that ever walked the face of the earth. Money don't satisfy. I thought, well, get a lot of friends and buddies. That'll give me happiness. Yeah? As long as you're buying, they're your buddies. Guess what? Found out, nope, I don't bring me joy or peace. What I'm trying to say is the thing that finally brought me joy was Jesus, yes, but now the thing that matters most to me is I have a hunger and a thirst for the Savior. And I know because I have that hunger and thirst for him. That is what brings me joy and peace. Not this other stuff. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after not our righteousness because it's as filthy rags. But God's righteousness. Amen.
One more, and we're going to stop there, and I'll finish up tonight. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Merciful. Child of God, you will agree with me this morning that God and his grace is so merciful to us. You see, had he wanted to, when the garden and Eve and Adam disobeyed him there and the curse was placed upon Man and this earth, had he wanted to, he could have said, that's it, done. I'd be better off. It repents me. Remember what he says in Genesis 6? It repents me that I, that I even made man. Because when he looked, all he saw was evil and wickedness. He could have said, no, nope, that's it, I'm done. But no, because he is merciful. Because he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He sent his son into the world to die and atone for our sins. And this is what I'm thankful for. When Jesus died on the cross and he cried out, it is finished, it's done. Redemption has been bought and paid for. By him. Nothing has to be added. Nothing more can be bought or applied. He finished it all. But it's because he's merciful. But notice he said, happy are you that are merciful. You shall obtain mercy. You see, I, I tend to believe we forget God's mercy. We forget what he did and sacrificed for us. And when someone comes and offends us and harms us by word or deed, what is it that we want to do? I want to pay you back. You got me, I'm going to get you back. No. When we're willing to be merciful because our Father in heaven is merciful. In other words, we're willing to forgive because we have been forgiven. Then, of course, when we need mercy and forgiveness, it's going to be there. I challenge you, child of God, don't harbor anger. Don't harbor bitterness. Give it to Jesus. You say, well, it's, it's hard. You don't understand. Listen, if anybody here knows about how it is to be hurt as a pastor, I can tell you, 35 years I've dealt with hurt. Right, preacher? Oh, no, they, they set you up on a pedestal. They, listen, my pastor, when I first surrendered to the ministry, he said, I'm going to give you an illustration. And he carried me 
over to the wall at the church. And he said, keep your back against the wall. I said, I'm supposed to preach like this? I go, you're always there. He goes, no, I'm, I want you to think for a minute. Why did I tell you to do that? I said, Brother Hill, I don't know. He goes, he goes, if you got your back against the wall, you don't have to worry about somebody stabbing you in the back. I thought, oh, okay, I get that. Note to self. My point is, I've been brought to tears many times over what someone has said about me or my wife. Now, my kids, I just tell you, they're off limits. If you don't want me on you, don't mention my kids. I'll take what you have. Not my kids. But my point is, many times, I've shed tears. But you know what the Lord has taught me? Let him wipe away those tears. And according to the psalmist, do you know he gathers our tears in a bottle? I would say he has a pretty good sized bottle for me. <laughs> Amen. Y'all might have little bitty ones, but I got a big one. Because I've learned to give it to God. And I've learned because he's been merciful and forgiven me, chiefest of sinners, then I, therefore, ought to be able to forgive those that have hurt me. Do you get the premise? Blessed are they that, what? Need mercy. Everybody here needs mercy. Did y'all get to everybody? There's no one here that don't need mercy. For they shall be comforted. Amen. So, I'm going to close with this. We'll pick up the rest of Beatitudes tonight. I'm going to close with this. Only you know. You ever been poor in spirit ever realized only Jesus can give me what I need have you ever been sorrowful and mourned over your sin if you haven't you need to you need to recognize you are a sinner before God but that God loves you, and if you'll come and repent of your sins, he will save you. Have you ever thirsted and hungered for God? I'm here to tell you, there's nothing greater than literally wanting God period, above everything else the world has to offer. Maybe you need mercy. He says, if you'll come, he'll give you comfort. 
So whatever he's leading you to do, obey his voice and do it. If you're under the sound of my voice and you've never been saved, he wants to save you. Child of God, maybe you've drifted. Your walk with him is not what it once was. Listen, there is a remedy. You come and say, Lord, forgive me. I want to rededicate and commit myself to you. I know I've wandered, and I'm sorry for it. Forgive me. You do that, and he'll forgive you. And then get back on the saddle and keep going. Don't quit on him. Listen, we've come too close. He's coming. He's coming. Would you stand and bow your heads, please? Father, that's the message. Thank you for your word. Thank you for allowing me this opportunity to share your word. And I thank you, Lord, for this message, Lord, that you preach to the multitude. Dear God, I pray we'll take it to heart. We are happy. It is a joy. We do have bliss just in knowing you as our Lord and Savior. Lord, if there's one that needs to come today for whatever reason, salvation, baptism, rededication, whatever it is, may they have liberty and may your spirit lead in this invitation. We ask these things in Christ's precious name. Amen.